Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Conspiracy Castle. I am your conspiracy asshole. Primetime 99, Alex Stan on the ground all the time. And guess what, though, guys? I got to actually start with a screen share. I can't believe this. Can't believe this. Let me turn off the music already. I hate to start with a bad vibrational energy before Charlie, but listen. As I'm going live, I'm like, oh, I can't go live on one of the channels. Let's review the content. And I, I'm about to bring Charlie on. I just got a strike on one of my channels. So what a way to start the show. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome the one, the only Charlie Robinson. Charlie, welcome to the Conspiracy Castle. How are you doing, my friend? Well, normally the strikes happen after I come on the show, not before. Dude, that's what I'm saying. And I hate to start off with such negative vibrational energy, but I'm going live. I'm like, oh, shoot, Channel 5, I can't go on that channel. And I'm like, a strike, what? Oh. I don't really, I really don't give two crap. I don't, it's a backup channel. It sucks. But the video is of, of me where I went, and I don't know if you've seen it yet, where I, I test. See, we can't even talk about any medical stuff, so I don't want to talk about it. But I, 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 a video that I don't even want to talk about what's in the video for getting, so we can get a strike on this. But. Uh, yeah, I made a video where I went out and where the military is on the street doing the you-know-what. And mm -hmm. uh, and I just got a strike for that, for going there. I mean, and going and, and asking questions about it. So what a bummer, dude. At least we're on Rockland. That That's good. That sucks, but, you know, I got one last week, too, for having a guy named Joel Hirschhorn on to discuss a book that he wrote about you know, CV, uh, which we can't even really talk about, or Facebook or whoever will delete That's you. what we'll do. How about this? This is what we'll do. For the people watching this, we're going to go. We'll, we'll talk on here for about 45 minutes, and we'll do that last 45 minutes only on Rockman, so Charlie and I can say the adult stuff. So so for the first 45 minutes, we'll just we'll, we'll keep it PG-13 for the folks playing at home. So you know that now, Charlie. And then we'll do the, the back half of the phone calls. You guys can call, and we can talk about whatever on the last 45 minutes. So, uh, and I'll put the link to the rock fan and, uh, and the link to your rock fan is, is on the, uh, is on the description as well. But Charlie, so tell me this. So you just got a strike. What did, uh, I guess we'll talk about what he did on the strike. Is it, is your first, was it a warning or is it your, your first hit? What was it? it so my first warning was for David Icke, who I had on my show and normally that'll get you a strike, but, yeah. but since I didn't have anything, they just gave me a, a, a warning and then this last one was a strike for it wasn't medical disinformation it was like i don't even i don't even remember the term but it was something that was so vague and stupid that you just had to laugh and and you know and this is an 80 year old guy who wrote a book he's not ranting and raving like a maniac he's he's very reserved and calm he works in the medical industry has for like 40 years i mean this is a reasonable intelligent decent guy who just so happens to have written a book about the situation that we've gone through over the last year and came on my show to promote it. He's been on other shows as well. I don't know if, if anyone else has had that problem, but it was, you know, it's just them two doing what they do, which is uh, arbitrarily taking shots at people and trying to get rid of anybody that rubs them the wrong way. And of course that's, that's what we do. Right. So, so we're targets and I recognize this and I don't, I don't try to build my YouTube channel up that much because I know it can be taken away from me in a matter of minutes. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm using them. I'm using them to get my message out to whoever I can for as long as I can. And when it goes away, it goes away.
Yeah, it's a springboard. See, you got it right. Gosh, I have so many questions to ask you, but uh, tell me this, though. That's smart because we can't depend on YouTube. They're going to take it away from us. But um, you, you writing a book, I'm thinking about writing a book about 9-11. And have you written a, and writing a book? Tell me about your experience. Has it, has it put a target on your back? Has it been? I know that you've been you know, successful on Amazon, but tell me about the process of writing a book. And uh, you know, have you enjoyed it? Tell me what it's like. Well, the, the first book I wrote was The Octopus of Global Control. And, and that's, that's why it's called... That's why the show is called the calamari of control right. as, a, as a nod to it. Yeah, Sorry, I love it. Um, and that one I wrote in to total secrecy. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my wife. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell my friend. I didn't tell anyone because, you know, you know, when you when you have an idea for something and then you blab about it to your friends and you go, oh, I'm going to go write a book. And then they go, oh, OK, cool. And, and then six months later, they're like, hey, man, how's that book coming? And you're like, oh, I never wrote it. You know, so I didn't want to do that. So I just didn't tell anyone and started writing. I didn't know if I'd like it. I didn't know if I'd feel like I was good at it or I, I don't know. I didn't know how I would feel. So I just decided I'll write for a while and see, see how this, how it goes. And then I'll assess it as we, as, as we get to it, you know, so I'm about a hundred pages in. And what I realized was, um, I like it. I feel like I'm on the right track. I, I feel like I'll probably get to the end of this book, but then I still didn't tell anyone about it because at that point it shifted. And I felt like I don't want to tell anyone because I don't want anyone to tell me to stop. And because I, I, I could see, you know, I could see my wife or some, my mom, but what are you doing? I mean, what are you wasting your time for? You, you, you really, who's going to buy, you know, how, you know, all those questions that you, that you have already. I don't all, everyone's a naysayer, right? Uh, yeah, and I and I've got enough of that going on in my own head. I don't need other people chiming in with their reasons for me to stop. So I just decided I'm not going to tell anyone anything. And then, and and it wasn't until the book finally got delivered to my house in this big box, all these copies, and I wasn't there to intercept it. My wife was. She opens it up thinking it's uh, who knows what. Yeah. Multi-level marketing. Books. What did she think? Yeah, she probably thought it was some sort of scam or something. She has no idea what all those books are. Yeah, she are. thought I had got scammed by some Nigerian yeah. book. Prince, yeah. Yeah, Prince, yeah, <laughs> who, who sent me all these books in exchange for a billion dollars. But I, uh, she flipped it over, my picture's on the back, and when I got home, she threw me out of the house for two days for emotionally cheating on her. And I was like, what? That what is emotionally cheating. Wait, no, I love the emotional cheating because I've been on all these dating reality. I've been on a real one reality dating show and I got dumped on a show and I, I hooked up with a girl, but I'm saying I really like the emotional aspect of dating. It's a real vulnerable side. And so your wife felt that you emotionally cheated on her for that. So she, that's, and she's right. You did emotionally cheat on her. I'm on her side, but it's not being unfaithful. What you did was not sexually unfaithful so it's really not that bad but it is a little emotionally unfaithful but you had to do that because you know that she would have said something against it so it's not i don't think it was uh, being a, see that's where you can say what you're doing was not sinister or bad but no. it is it is a little bit emotionally like they say gaslighting you gaslit her that you weren't writing a book and you're writing one the whole time but technically she never asked Okay, okay, that's fine. That's fine. But so, you know what? I, and, and really, you're writing a book. She should be kissing your butt. Oh, that's so I awesome. Mean, Duh. I mean, let's be real. I mean, you shouldn't have to write I, it in secrecy. But Considering how many, like, I could have had a second family in Utah, right? I mean, that's how these things go. You could this have had a crack habit, a methamphetamine habit. I mean, you could have had a really, a lot, million things worse. My husband's writing a book. You know, I mean, give right, me a break. Right. You know, that's a oh, thing. Oh, no, yeah. he's writing a book. <laughs> yeah, this is how Dateline episodes start. You know, he was out writing a book, and then, you know, and then he had a second family and all this stuff. 
I, I just wrote a book. And so anyway, she wasn't thrilled. She got, she got over it. We wound up, we were in London a couple years ago. And then, and when I was there, I was, I, well, before I left, I knew that they, I was going to do an interview in a, in like a real studio, like in a real television studio in, in London and everything. And I was there with my wife and daughter and mother-in-law and we were doing touristy type stuff. And I said, well, listen, I've got this thing scheduled. So, you know, can we, you're all right if we just take one afternoon and kind of detour and do this. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. And it wasn't until then that it became real to them when they saw like the full setup, the three cameras, the lights and the guy, you know, everyone milling around and doing all that stuff. They were like, oh, okay, well, this is an actual book. You're yeah. like really promoting it. I was like, yeah, I'm like on TV doing this. And so that 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 changed things and then I that think helped she, that helped make it more real and you know materialize yeah. it that that is good to see that uh, but, but that but, being said yeah. when it came to the second book before i started on it when i was working i was, it was jeff berwick and i he was talking to me like let's do this together i said i'm going to write this book with jeff are you okay with this? So this time I did run it by her. And did she know who Jeff was? Did she know who Jeff is? And is no, she, yeah, she that's what I'm saying. I, yeah, I, no I way. He's, he's a lunatic from Mexico. And uh, he, is Jeff he actually Mexico. from Mexico? I thought he's from America. No, he's from Canada. But he oh, Canada. America. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know Jeff, but, but I don't know him as well. But freaking David Weiss and Jaron, two of my best friends, love Jeff Burke. They are Jeff Burke fanboys. I have to tease them right now. I was texting with it. David Weiss this afternoon so. did you tell me you're coming here? i know i mean i love david he's a mentor of mine one of my best buds man they love jeff and i love jeff too but i maybe i maybe i don't love him because those guys like him so it's almost like i feel like they have such a man crush like can i can i join the man could you have a man crush are you man crush on on jeff as well let's be honest uh charlie you no, can say this no no, no i mean like... we've, we've gone out for drinks and everything but it was with his wife it wasn't like that kind of three-way well he has a really cool lifestyle so i can see why you know everybody wants to be in mexico oh. i want to move to mexico would you i mean would you consider moving to mexico i mean i'm teasing yeah. the guy but he's a badass i'm not trying to tease jeff for yeah, yeah. or my good friends he has a right setup yeah it's great and i've been to you know he, he puts on in acapulco the largest anarchist convention in the world in acapulco mexico and i've been down there for a couple a couple times man when you leave that you feel like you want to stay kind of you know and there have been a lot of people that that are that go to that conference that that wound up just kind of never leaving just there's a nice little community there in, in acapulco of uh of people that are um you know liberty-minded and they're they're sort of they see the world a different way i met a lot of cool people there and jeff jeff's like the pied piper of that stuff you know he goes out there he does his walk and talks with uh, lucy and and then when he shows up at the and, and all that stuff that you see on on camera the you know the the walks with Lucy and all that it's totally organic too because when you see when you go to like the Anarchapulco conference that's at this big hotel and you go and walk around and, and like I was at dinner one night and um and they were having in that restaurant they were having the ron paul dinner so ron paul comes in and he's with everyone they're all in the back wait ron Jeff paul ron paul goes to anarchapulco or that was just he happens to be doing yeah. a thing whoa that's no, badass he, he spoke wow both, that's awesome both years that i spoke he spoke there too yeah he's oh that's he's really bad i know i love ron yeah. paul that's kick yeah, so ass. i'm eating dinner and ron paul walks in and goes to the back table i was like oh that's right that's the tonight's the speaker dinner for him and everything and then jeff comes in it's a nice restaurant Jeff comes in, door open, Lucy right behind him. 
just to brings the dog in everything nobody says anything nobody in mexico says anything there you just, so we're in this nice restaurant and then you just see lucy just running around i can't believe he brings like, that dog he in mexico they might cook it if he's if he's not i'm kidding i'm first, kidding though. i'm very i'm kidding i'm an animal lover i have four cats and i've done a whole thing on the yulin dog meat festival in the summer three you have cats. three this i'm saying i'm a cat nut but the yulin dog meat festival charlie you got to look into it they have pictures in Yulin. You go to an like a, a shop or whatever they call it, Asian market, like supposedly where whatever came out of. And they have a menu board and a picture of a cat. I mean, you can look at the videos. I've showed it in my stream, you know. And on the menu, it's just a big menu. Of a, it'll be like a, a lab. They'll have a they'll pick a nice dog. You know, in the picture of the dog, it's like a golden Labrador. You know, like a dog that's probably like $10,000 breed. You know what I mean? You know, the show dog. And the picture mm -hmm. of the cat's like a really pretty cat. Sure, it's some fucked up cat that they cook, give you still. I can't believe we live in a or they they consider us a civilized society and anybody would eat a cat. I love my cat like more than I love any human that I personally know. Yeah, me me too. And my my Chinese buddy uh, jokes and he says, "Man, my people will eat anything with four legs except a table." And I was like, "Yeah, I guess you will." <laughs> Seriously, and and now they're probably going to get us for that. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We we can I think well, I don't know. Now it's like Everything is so social justice. Did you ever expect that, Charlie? Like, as a truther, did you see this coming? Like, this, like, over a political correctness? I don't know. In the 90s, you'd, nobody could have saw this coming. It's so gross and weird and disgusting. You know what? I think that the social justice warrior movement is far smaller than we actually are led to believe. I think that it is magnified on television. I think when you go out, and if you go to certain places, you know, you go to, like, coffee shops and things like that you're going to see some of the the you know some of that crowd they're trying to to be you know doing their thing but for the most part i mean that is i don't know i don't know how how widespread it is i certainly don't know how popular it is i don't know anybody that is on board with this and, and like pronouns in your twitter bio and everything that's just like embarrassing you know, well, one I, thing I, I do like, I like Rachel Levine, the trans health minister. I think she's actually pretty <laughs> sexy. I actually would get down with uh, Rachel Levine. But I just wanted people to know it's like, I, I'm not conservative, you know, but at one point, I, a little bit, I liked Trump. What do you, what was your opinion? Now I think Trump's terrible because he basically became a big pharma salesman. Well, what was your opinion? Did, yeah. you ever, did you ever buy into Trump, Charlie? I never. So before he became president, I didn't. I didn't like him. I didn't, I don't like that personality type. It wasn't even so much him. It was just that type, you know, like I'm great. Everything, everything I do is the best. I'm I the love best. that. I love when he was on Howard Stern. I love he'd go on Howard Stern and rate women. He said the miss, he said the miss universe got fat. She was an eating machine. Charlie. I I love that. I love that. I have to admit it. I'm a terrible person. I have a low moral character sometimes, but I loved all that shit. And I still didn't like him as president. You know, I mean, until he got in there, I thought he was going to put Hillary in jail. But go ahead. I want to hear your opinion. It's, this is the Charlie well, Robertson interview. Well, Excuse me. well, when he did say, when when he did the debate and he and he said to Hillary or you'd be in jail, I was like, oh, I mean, that was I felt like that was the uppercut that just knocked her out and that gave him the election. And so, you know, when he comes into office and he's this bull in a china shop that part i liked because he made the media very uncomfortable they didn't know what to do with him they you know he called them out he called jim acosta out who needed to be you know he made fun of cnn which needed to happen he did all those things and i really liked it but there were you know there were parts of him i'm not a big fan of his his allegiance his blind allegiance to israel you know i don't love that um i don't like the pharmaceutical sales uh, salesman yeah. persona that he 
he took on towards the end. Uh, I, so I didn't, I didn't care for that, but he, he, you know, I mean, God, what was the alternative? Hillary Clinton? Nice. Seriously? I mean, was, was Satan not available? It's not, you know, so, so when your choice is between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, you pick Donald Trump, but it's like, but, but is that, is that really a ringing endorsement? I don't, I don't think so. But, you know, so he did some things that I, I didn't love, uh, but, but from time to time, I tell you what, what was weird about it was that even though I was not a fan of his, I would watch the left go completely mental especially with the media and they would start saying things about him that were so wildly untrue and off base and such blatant lies that I found myself defending him. And, and that was a weird position to be in because I wasn't, I was not the type of person that would be defending Donald Trump. I didn't hate him. He didn't trigger me like he did most people. I just thought he was a jackass. You know, I just did, I just don't care for that type of personality, but I also don't like presidents. I, I yeah. don't like any of the politicians that are there. You know, when you take that job, you could be, you know, a decent sort of easygoing guy like a like a Jimmy Carter, but by default, I'm not going to ever pull for you because what you're doing is perpetuating endless wars and keep, keeping the money printing going and and doing unspeakable things behind the scenes, and I'm not in I'm not in favor of that. So so it doesn't matter if even if I did like Trump, by definition, the minute he became president, to me, I put a big target on him figuratively, obviously not literally, and and start aiming my displeasure at that person because they represent everything that is wrong with the American empire. And he perpetuated that. And of course he, you know, he, 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 he took the, you know, he didn't, he didn't close Guantanamo Bay. He didn't do all those things that people would love for him to have done. He didn't round them up. He didn't expand the prison systems and put all the deep state in. He didn't do any of that stuff. He added John Bolton and Elliot Abrams. I mean, as soon as I saw that, I was like, stop, this is, this is dumb. We're not, we're not draining any swamps. We're not changing anything. This is, you're bringing back old Bush one people and putting them back in a Reagan people and putting them in office again. Like, ah, oh, it was totally disgusting and so you know and you'd see henry kissinger from time to time slinking around there and you're just like this is these are the worst people on the planet and you're and you're giving you're validating them and giving them a place in your administration on some level i just i was like that's that's disgusting however i will say this i don't know what's worse being a proactive maniac like trump who's putting all these awful people in positions of power or being a green screen president like Joe Biden, who's totally asleep at the wheel, and you don't know who's running the show. No, and yeah. see, th well, this is my point. What I was trying to say is, like, I think Trump was put in to create this social justice movement because they probably couldn't have had a, a catalyst if Hillary Clinton. Like, I didn't. I thought, you know, maybe there is some local elections matter, this and that. And we can't even talk about elections. Every election is perfect in America, and this election was the most perfect election of all time. We'll talk about that later. But what I'm saying is, is, is I thought, like, maybe, you know. Uh, we had a choice, and now I'm realizing Trump was picked, what I believe, to cause this catalyst to create the social justice movement because now, look at it, Charlie. They got no steam. They got no demon. They, and and I, I look at the ratings every Daily Mail every day, and I'm not a conservative. I'm, I'm a, I consider myself in the in the middle. But uh, uh, Fox News crushing CNN's ratings all the way down. They're, they're, the ratings are the worst they've ever been. So it's just like they need Trump. The left needs. Oh, yes. So they need this. So now that he's gone and you got Biden and Kamala who are just not even, you know, 
they can't talk about him because anytime they talk about him, it puts a magnifying glass on a shitstorm. So they don't, they're fucked. There's a catch 22. And that's why what we're doing is truthers. Everybody's starting to realize that, that they can't talk about the current administration and they don't have a bully to demonize. So now they're just sitting there with, you know, their, their putt in their hand. And I think that's uh, where we're at right now. So, I mean, I'm going crazy uh, right now. I'm just pumped up to talk to you about it. But it's like Trump, to me, was put in to cause all this is what I'm trying to say. What do you think about that, Charlie? He's he's the great divider. You know, he came in. You can't be agnostic with Trump. You've got to have an opinion about him. And I will say this about the man. He's got that it fact that that intangible thing that that makes him when he walks in the room he just dominates the place he he, he is he, he people pay attention to that guy that's hard to quantify you know and, and and president some people got it some people don't i i i will say this even though i i was no no fan of of trump but I'm sorry. I will never, ever believe that 80 million people voted for Joe Biden. I just will not do that. I, I can't do that. I will not believe it. It doesn't pass the eyeball test. It doesn't make any sense to me. Trump would have, you know, for better or for worse, man, he had a lot of people that really love him, that follow him everywhere he goes. It would be easy for you and me to like do a show where we just say all the great things about Trump. We'd have 8 million followers. It'd be easy to do. But, uh, you know, we also we like to be objective, right? And we like I to, do. we have to sort of point out the flaws and there are some pretty major flaws, but it's undeniable that he was extremely popular. He was selling out stadiums as, you know, for the, for the last election, he was having, you know, there'd be 20 mile long stretches of cars with Trump flags and everything. Joe Biden couldn't get 18 people to show up at an event, you know, and it, it only people that showed up were like lost and looking for directions somewhere else. But I can't, I can't like, reconcile that in my brain that that guy got more votes than any other i mean more than obama it wasn't a, an he's obama thing either dude, joe biden's the best kamala harris is the most qualified <laughs> candidate we've ever had i mean they're the better they're, dude, dude think about that we've never had a more popular president than joe biden and i believe that i believe that 100 percent. okay tell me this not now forget trump i get on the trump train because we could sit here and talk about him all day it just makes you sick i want to go back to uh, david ike though so you had david ike on you know, how far do we go down the rabbit hole? Because I like everything David Icke's saying. Us just talking about him. This is, we're probably going to have to take this on Rockfin pretty soon. But uh, we'll get a couple. We'll wait till we get a few, a few hundred people watching. Then we'll go. But um, what I'm saying is, what, tell me about your experience with uh, David Icke. And like, where was your transition? Because I know you're talking about the controlled uh, demolition of the American empire. So we know like 9-11, this and that. Like, where does David Icke fit? Because I found out about 9-11 and loose change. David Icke was kind of later on. And I love David Icke. The idea of the bloodlines, the lizards, I think there are some sort of interdimensional weird beings. I don't know how to describe them, but I, there's, there's something weird going on. Where do you take it with David Icke uh, being a family man? Is that hard? Because you can't be a, hey, hon, uh, this is me watching David Icke videos. She's probably, probably don't turn that on in the in the SUV on the way to soccer practice, what I'm saying. Well, what's funny, it's funny you say that because I met David in, in Arcapulco in 2019 and we stayed in touch uh and 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 they put me when my show macroaggressions came out it um 
right when I was even I was developing it, I hadn't even launched it yet. I get I get contacted by Jamie Ike, who's his his son, saying, "Hey, would you like to have? I hear you're working on a show. Would you like to have it on Iconic?" And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I love David's work, and 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 I love you know I'll support them forever. You know, I I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for David Ike on some level because he he woke me up to a lot of this, uh, you, you know, many years ago. So I I will always have a special place for for david now that being said you can't drop reptilians on somebody on day one right because their brains will melt you can't do that you you got to sort of ease people into it and 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 so you know if you if you he gets the 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 bad rap of being oh you're the you're the lizard person guy or you're this person okay and so that's easy to sort of try to discredit people i'll tell you what man i've done ayahuasca and dmt and things like that i'm not ruling out lizard people let me just tell you this world this universe is far stranger than we give it credit for for being and um and i there are, there are he's not the only one that's had sort of unex, unexplainable incidents where they've had, I mean, you, I don't know if you, you, we're talking about Howard Stern, obviously. Um, I'm a Howard Stern nut. I grew up. There's on a that. great Billy Corrigan interview where he I've, goes I've on Howard Stern. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, I've, I've heard that interview, but go ahead. Uh, so people yeah. know he, he, what did he, he, what did he say that he was uh, uh, not astral projection, but what did he, what was his story? He was, at a, he was at Billy Corrigan was at a party, okay. a record industry party. And he was sober. He was not drunk or on drugs or anything. And and he was talking to somebody and a guy kind of uh, off to the side of him shapeshifted and turned into a, a reptilian. And he looked at the guy and the guy turned back, you know, kind of came back into this human form and sort of like acknowledged him and he they sort of acknowledged each other and his response to howard stern was you know i saw something i can't explain i just left it sort of like that so that's a i mean imagine if that happens to you right if it, if you were ever in a situation and that happened to you and that you would have to tell people and you know you're driving home from this thing you're like oh my god i can't wait to tell everybody this but you know no everybody might say well i i i i know you i trust you you're not lying to me but the story is so weird you know will you really ever believe that is that something that somebody will ever believe unless they have that experience themselves and and the way david explains all that stuff is it's not that this guy is changing from a human into a reptile and then back because if you did your clothes would be shredded or whatever He's talking about how it's just a frequency. It's like when you're changing radio stations on a, on the old school dial and you're on one station and you can hear it clearly. You turn the knob, you you start to move into the next station and all of a sudden it fades out from the old old station and fades in with the new one that you're picking up. So you're in you're kind of in between frequencies there. And he said that's kind of what it felt like is that you're sort of in between frequencies you're what you're seeing is a is a frequency that's bringing itself forward and another one that's kind of moving itself back it's it's you know look I, if there if people are out there saying i don't believe it it sounds like nonsense I, look i can't i can't argue with that it sounds crazy of course it sounds crazy but i have learned that just because things sound crazy doesn't mean that that they're not true We've had a plenty of that stuff happen. So, so if you take the reptilian stuff and you sort of put that, that's like black belt level 
stuff and you you move that off to the side and you just focus on geopolitical uh, topics that david's been talking about and you know calling out all of these uh, ministers he crushes of parliament. it he crushed it but real quick this is what i want to say with the billy corrigan story so i gotta catch you out yeah. on this because okay listen for i gotta do a screen share this house now now this house in los angeles was uh, you're talking about how billy uh, saw this person shapeshift at a party now this is a famous house uh, um, Britney Spears had a wild weekend and uh, what was described as a really wild weekend one time in um, in Los Angeles at this like really nice mansion and she immediately called her assistants and had to uh, she couldn't couldn't stay there that she had this supposedly wild partying weekend this is the story and then that Monday called her assistant said she had to get out had to go to move to a hotel the house is haunted to what she saw was they did some sort they saw a portal and they saw creatures that shouldn't shouldn't live there and everybody thought Britney Spears is crazy. Everybody thought Britney Spears is insane. Then Britney, then the la then the next person that moved into the house was was no other than Britney Murphy, who died under really weird circumstances. And this went viral. And then on top of that, uh, so we read it. Uh, Britney Murphy died here. Why did Britney Spears abandon this home too? And then you know it's like. The home where starlet Brittany Murphy and her husband, Simon Monjack, died has been sold for $12.2 million. So this is a $12 million home. I mean, this is a weird story. And then uh, the sale, which took place under the radar on December 29, 2020, is only the latest chapter in the home's long, eerie saga. Perched atop the Sunset Strip, the Los Angeles home was sold to Murphy by pop star Britney Spears in 2008. At 8 a.m. on December 28, 2009, the Los Angeles Fire Department responded to a call at the home where Murphy, 32, had apparently collapsed in a bathroom. She was transported to Cedar sinai Hospital, where she died about two hours later after going into cardiac arrest. Her husband was just 40 years old, died five months later, May 23rd, 2010, also at the Hollywood Hills residence. The fire department was again called to the home for a medical emergency after Murphy's mother, Sharon, found Monjack unconscious in the master bedroom around 9.20 p.m. He was pronounced dead by paramedics, dead on the spot. The coroner's report found the cause of Monjack's death to be acute pneumonia, severe anemia, similar to causes attributed to the wife's death. And then, so so there's all these weird connections with this house, and supposedly, but the home itself is a story to tell. In the 11 years since Murphy and Monjack died, the property's been listed 10 different times. So there is something weird. Basically, what I'm saying is this this story is so spooky, and we can get into it. I mean, who would have known to have you on, Charlie? We're talking about Britney Spears, but these Hollywood parties, Holly weird parties, yeah. there's weird stuff going on, uh, and. David Icke is yeah. on the nose, I believe, with everything he's saying geopolitically and even with the uh, dimensional, interdimensional radio frequency that we can't see. Because think about yeah. all the think about all the frequencies we can't see or hear, uh, Charlie. We're blind. I mean, if we if we think about it, we're, what we can see is a is just a small fraction of visible light. There's infrared. There's all sorts of other. Uh, spectrums that we we can't see with our eyes and, and and can't hear either so so you know as if we say something like well i'll believe it when i see it that's a rather limiting statement you know because there's so much that we can't see i mean obviously we do, we're blind you have cats I, mean, it, I have cats sometimes the cats freak out they see something that we can't see or they hear something that we don't hear and they they're off and they're running and they're doing their crazy cat stuff and um you know, you could be dismissive and go, oh, well, there's nothing there. Well, according to us, you know, we have to we have to stop being so arrogant and thinking that we know it all or thinking that we understand it all. Man, you, we don't understand much uh, as far as how this universe works. Uh, I would not be 
Look, I, I, I can understand why people would be dismissive of somebody saying that they have had interactions with reptilians because that is about the craziest thing you'll ever hear. Now, is, the, is it, you know, are the people lying? Think about, you know, prob probably not, but there's a certain percentage of people that I think probably do want the attention. But, but somebody like David Icke, man, he knows what's, he knows what that's going to bring. You know, he, you're not going to do yourself any favors by being the reptilian guy unless, unless you are just committed to the truth. And this is, and it's my belief that, that he, that what happened to him was very real. It's tough for us to explain it. I think that it's easy to dismiss it, but you do so at your own peril because I've, I've experienced some, you know, I've, I've, I've had psychedelic experiences that put you in a situation where you can see things or you can hear things that you, sh that you normally couldn't see or hear. And it's like, well, God, you know, if I can do that right now because of this substance, then why can't I do it all the time? If I can hear somebody having a conversation in like three rooms away, they're kind of whispering and I can hear that because well, I've got a head full of mushrooms. Well, why can't I do that all the time? And it's like, so, so we're, we're very limited and it's like, there's a governor on us, you know, so controlling all the things that we can and can't do. So if you're able to break free from that and have, you know, and if let's just say, let's just put our conspiracy hat on for a second and say that, that, that what David Icke saw was somebody that was being, heavily manipulated and influenced by a darker force, like a reptilian force working through them. Now, wouldn't you say that um, when you analyze some of the behavior of politicians and psychopaths like that, there's, there's a reptilian, I mean, there's a, there's a demonic sort of component to this. And I'm not so sure that he's that he's just a crazy old man. You know, I think that maybe David Icke had an experience that, you know, he's had, he's had multiple times where he had a, a story he talks about with Ted Heath, who was the prime minister, um, that he was in a BBC studio. He was getting, he was in the makeup chair, getting makeup put on and Ted Heath was in the next chair in and Ted Heath looked at him, looked at him from toes all the way up real slowly, uh, all the way to the top of his head and then back down and, and David was looking at going, what is this guy doing? And he said his eyeballs were totally black, that there was no white in his eyes. He said he looked like he was not human. And so, God, I mean, how do you explain that to somebody, right? I mean, we're not supposed to be able to do things like that. But if David says he saw it, I, I'm not in a position to, to say he's lying. So it's, it's just, you know, we work, we work in an industry where, there's so much disinformation. There's so many lies and our credibility is the most important thing that we have, right? We for have you, to be not able for to me, not for me. I have no credibility. I want to, I'm, I'm primetime 99 Alex Stein. I'm a comedian. Don't, don't take anything I say seriously <laughs> as entertainment purposes only. I have no credibility whatsoever because I don't want the government to come after me. Go ahead, sir, Charlie. Yes, you are well, credible. You are. Charlie maybe, maybe does have credibility. I don't. Maybe you're doing it the right way. Maybe I should do. So like, I, I mean, to me, I have to be, I've written a bunch of books. I have to be careful. You know, I have to be careful what I say and how I say it. So I love me, rumor in your window. I love it. I love it. I'm trying. I, I'm not listen, trying to be a I love that stuff too. I, I just can't I, put I'm it not, in book. I, I'm not trying to be a disinformation agent either. I'm just saying, guys, I'm going to freaking, I'm going to spread, uh, you know, I'm going to freaking what I think is going on. I can't prove a lot of this stuff. I know there's a lot of people that like to, you know, I will only say something that I can prove. And I respect that. But guys, I'm like a professional wrestler. There's a lot of rumor and innuendo, and I'm trying to defeat the New World Order, literally, literally. And I, I just feel like humor is my only weapon 
So if I take it too seriously, you get too deep inside the rabbit hole. So Charlie, how do you stay out of it? How do you stay one foot out when you know everything's a lie and everything's an illusion? How do you stay dad? How do you look your kids in the face and, and say everything's okay when the world's burning around them? You know? I, I, I do it the exact same way you do it with humor. I, I, I know that like in the octopus book, I know it's dark. You know, I know that the, the topics that we're getting into is they're very serious. So I had to inject uh, humor into it. I brought in all these quotes from different people, 700 different quotes from 500 different people that had uh, some sort of role or understanding about the way the world works or they were in, in, involved in it. So you get like, you know, Roth, Rothschilds and Rockefellers and Bushes and Clintons and all those people that you would expect. But because I needed to sort of lighten the mood and a bit, I brought in quotes from Carlin and uh, Bill Hicks and Joe Rogan and guys like that, that, that see the world a little bit differently. And I had fun in the book because I, I would from time to time inject my dark, really screwed up sense of humor into it because I, I felt like I had to, because people, you know, if you start reading about this new world order stuff over and over, you know, and you, it's so dark and depressing, it makes you feel like there's, you know, no end in sight and you want to just jump off your roof. Well, I, I have to kind of keep people hanging in there a little bit. So I have fun with it. And that's, so that's what I do like you do. I, I You're laugh. laid back, Charlie. You're laid back. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying, but you know, it has to be tough knowing the the future for your kids. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. It's like, man, I think we're gonna win. I know that sounds whatever anecdotal win or whatever. I do think the good will will beat evil. Will always beat evil. But dude, is we're gonna have challenging, annoying stuff, and we're gonna have to be awake. So what I'm saying is, are you worried about your kids falling for the indoctrination? Not really what yeah. the, the world around. Them. It's more the indoctrination is what I'd be worried about. Because I think society will be there'll, there'll be a world to live here. Climate change not gonna take us out. Yeah, for sure. I I worry about that stuff. Um, and I try to to offer a, maybe a, a balance to that. The the school systems, you know, that that not my not just my kids, but the school systems that that children are going through right now. Common Core, which is a, a disaster. Um, wokeism infecting it as you get a little bit older and you get into maybe high school or transitioning into college if, if that's your thing now you've got critical race theory and all these things so yeah i'm i'm a hundred percent worried about that stuff because the best you can do is set your kids up give them sort of a, a you know the right sort of foundation teach them how to think critically not just what to think or how to memorize stuff but how to like get to the bottom of this does this sound crazy to you is this is what you're reading does it sound real does it sound logical or does it sound made up and if you can get them to think about that stuff i have a huge problem with authority obviously i think that we all do if we're in this in this world so so just having a teacher say do it because i said do it I, I I never responded well to that. I don't I don't like that, and I would not want that for my kids. Explain so. Tell me why you want me to do it this way. I, I'm not saying I won't do it, but I want to understand why you want me. You know, so if it, if it's a teacher telling me trying to teach, trying to indoctrinate me in something, well, explain. You know, I'll ask questions. I'll push back. I'm kind of a, a, a pain in the ass in that shit in that sir, sense. For sure, you are. Yeah, writing a book, you're a shit stir for sure. Go ahead. But I want. I think that that's. I think that's a good thing. Now, I, I can understand that Great if you're thing. in a position of authority, you don't want people telling you you're wrong. You don't want d dummies questioning you all day long. You're public enemy number one to authority. You, you know, and right. I, you know, they hate us. They hate us because we'll speak up and we'll say our opinion.
Yeah. Well, I mean, so so if you have a question about uh, about something, if you're in school and you have a you have a question for your teacher about it, you know, why are you teaching us this? Why are we why are we doing why why am I paying for this? You're paying for critical race theory? Seriously? You have to you're teaching me I'm a I'm a victim or I'm an oppressor. Those are I, my two choices. This is garbage. So I worry about that because that is like a, a, a massive agenda that's that's being pushed out right now. So, but the antidote to that is at least with, with kids is are concerned, stay present, always be in their lives and talking to them about things and communicating with them. You've got to balance it out because you don't know what sort of insanity they've been taught today or this week um, at school. And especially if you're in the public school system, I mean, I, I've started calling it I've, I've been referring to them as government schools instead of public schools, because whenever you say government schools, it has just an awful sound to it. And I want it to have that awful sound to it. I want it to sound like you're, be, you're in a government indoctrination camp because that's what you are. That's where you are. And when you've got billionaires like the Rockefellers and Carnegie setting up the compulsory schooling system back in the uh, late 1800s, you, and now you've got Bill Gates carrying on their tradition of buying things that aren't for sale, like the education system. You've got to be on top of that because those maniacs will create a system that takes you from the school system straight into their factories like they've been doing. And if you want your kid to go straight into the factories, then do nothing. But if you would like for your children to come out of the schooling system with an actual education, then start teaching them how to question things and start teaching them how to think. Because that is something that, I mean, I think it's quite obvious after what we've gone through in the last year and a half, that we are living in a nation of people that that do not think very much. And when they do think, they're not having original thoughts. It's just things that are being uh, piped into them from their mainstream media, from their, you know, uh, textbooks and things like that. So, um, you know, I hate to sound like an old man, like, oh, these kids these days and everything, but, but honestly, kids these days need to, need to, they need to, um, they need to be, do a better job of asking real questions and digging in and trying to get to the bottom of why they are being taught the things they're being taught. Because right now, uh, we are preparing a, a whole generation of kids for a lifetime of, 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 of nothingness. You know, they have no, no marketable skills. They don't have the ability to, to think on their feet or think critically. And then you go to take a job at some corporation, you're fresh out of college and your boss tells you to go do something. You, Hey, I haven't, you're supposed to give me this report. Where is it? It's supposed to be on my desk. And so in this case, guys saying, well, listen, I mean, will you please tell me where the safe space is here? Because I need to go cry because you just committed a microaggression against me and I'm feeling all icky inside. So we have a, we have a generation of, 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 of spineless soy boys and things. And it's, it's gross. And, and frankly, it's not sustainable either. You know, that, that where we're going from here with the education system and the, the pussification of, of an entire generation of kids is disgusting and it's a short-sighted mission too. So, so I think that it's important for all of us to, even if you don't have kids, at least, you know, you're, 
you still know what's going on in the in, in schools. I mean, you still hear the story. Well, let me so. say this, Charlie. I go on the show Modern Day Debate. I love to debate. I debate nine eleven, debate the moon landing, this all this stuff. I went on a debate this week on, on CRT, critical race theory, and it's based on it's based in Marxism's conflict theory. And what it does, it, it it's so objection objectionably false. They even say that race is not real and that it's just a social construct and that a black person born to black parents can could be white, can identify as any color. And that, I mean, it's just such bullcrap, but you're right. It's the sustainability is not there. In the long run, we're going to create this um, cookie cutter uh, communalism, brave new world 1984, where it's just like you can have sex, you can look at porn, or you get to live in your coffin apartment. That's about it. Like literally your job is like, yeah. look at the ads for the porno, like idiocracy, you know, in the movie idiocracy, like yeah. farting, you're gonna be in your house. Sometimes you'll watch an action movie. Sometimes you'll watch porn. You'll be on a chair and you'll be drinking Brondo. And that's basically almost where we're at now. So how do we, what is your opinion? How do you, how do we kind of reverse course? Well, I mean, the, the, the most, the low hanging fruit here is to turn off your mainstream media. Period. I mean, the, it, why anybody is still in that abusive relationship with their media is beyond me. I just will not understand. How many times do you need to be lied to by propagandists that are being paid millions of dollars to tell you falsehoods before I, you wake up and go, you know what? Maybe Anderson Cooper doesn't have my best interest in heart. Uh, maybe Chris Cuomo is not telling me the entire truth. Like, at what point do you need, I mean, do you need to be, uh, have a big bucket of water thrown on you to wake up to this? Or, I mean, where is your line in the sand? So if, if people were to turn off the mainstream media, a whole lot of the problems would just go away. I mean, right off the bat. The, the pandemic of 2020 happened on our television sets. You know, and it affected some people and some people have stories about it and things like that. But if you didn't own a television and you didn't have the Internet and you weren't on CNN or Twitter or whatever, you probably wouldn't have known that anything was happening. So it, it is it's important for us to change our relationship with where we get information. I'm not saying that the alternative media is right every single time about every topic. We're not. But but at least at the very least, you know that our hearts are in the right places for the most part, you know, for mo most people, obviously you can't say that about every single person in the alternative media, but, but we're not making a fortune doing this. You know, we're doing this because we feel it's important and we feel, you know, I have a real job. I, I'm, I work in real estate, you know, I sell and, cars. I had to deal with freaking people all day long. It sucks. And you know, I want to do this yeah. full time, but you know, we do this because of the love of the game. Cause I want to be a broadcaster and I want to spread truth and, Try to make people's lives a little more entertaining because everything on the media is fake bullcrap. Yeah. Well, it. Yeah, absolutely. And this is. It's like our. You know. I mean, you probably have the same feeling I have, which is. I. It's. It. It feels like. Um, your duty to do this or I mean, I wouldn't say obligation a has little a bit. negative No, I do it a little bit. It's funny you say that. I feel like if I feel like a waste if I didn't do it. But keep going ahead. You're so yeah. right. I feel like I'd be wasting my ability if i didn't speak up against this well what's funny is that my the octopus book came out of a conversation that i had with my mom one day when i was describe i was explaining to her some she's a good sport you know she'll listen to all my stuff and 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 i was explaining some new conspiracy that i had just i don't know discovered or something and she said this is this is great this is all interesting and fascinating and you've got all this information that you've come across so what are you going to do with it and i was like i 
I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I never crossed my mind. I had to do anything with it. And so I was like, okay, well, if I had to do something with it, what would I do? You know, and that became the book. And, uh, I thought, well, I, maybe I have a, maybe I can explain some of these topics in a way that that's easier for people to digest in it. And, and I can, I can make it kind of funny in some parts where, it, where it'll just be, you know, it'll just be a, a, an easier pill to swallow. And, and then I'll feel good about myself. I'll feel like at least I was sounding the alarm in some, you know, in some aspect. And that goes back to, to, to what we were talking about earlier, where when I started writing the book, I didn't know if I would enjoy it. And once I realized that I did enjoy it, I didn't want to stop, but that, that would, that wasn't limited to just the book. I didn't want to stop all of it. I wanted to keep writing. So that's the second book came out. I wanted to do the podcast. That's where macroaggressions came out of that. I want to, I ultimately, you know what I want to do, Alex? I want to do a podcast on football. And the only way I can do a podcast on football is if I feel like all of these big, big problems that we're dealing with uh, on a day-to-day basis are gone. They've been solved and fixed. And now I can focus on football because everything else is done. But I can't do a football podcast while I know that there these people are building a digital enslavement prison around us. You know, I can't do that. I can't justify talking about three, four defenses when 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 there's so many other things that are more pressing to to prioritize. So so that's I feel I have felt this obligation and duty to do this and I love doing it and I enjoy it a whole lot, but we, but it's tough to make a living doing that, you know? So, because they've, they've set up a a system where we can't really be monetized and these platforms, as you know, we're probably going to drop off of, of some of these and go to a more private platform where we can actually talk because we have to talk in code. We're about so, to. Yes, guys, guys, we're going to leave in five minutes. And guys, what I'm going to say, we're about to go to Rockfin in five minutes. But because since I did make this a premium stream for the people that don't have a Rockfin account, you'll still be able to watch this on DLive and you'll also be able to watch this on Twitch because we won't, we don't get censored there. So we're going to we're going to go over to Rockfin. And let me tell you something. Charlie is also on Rockfin. So, no, I know we're selling out. But, guys, if you want to support us, we're the ones talking about, hey, it's hard to make a buck. We don't get a paycheck. Nobody's like, oh, thank you, sir. You work for Dallas Morning News. Charlie doesn't work for the whatever city news he works in. We're independent researchers and journalists. So you guys can support both of us. If you guys go and watch us on Rockfin and you subscribe to either of us, we both benefit from you guys doing that. So we're we're about to head over there. And I'm going to put the link in. The, the link is in the chat. I have it pinned at the top. So once we see a couple of people I'll go over there, we're gonna we're gonna end this stream here in like five minutes, Charlie. We're at like fifty five yeah, minutes. And, and by ahead. the way, let me just say something about that as well. If you go to Rockfin and you pay for the premium con, if some someone is a, a member and they pay for the premium content to see your stuff, they get my stuff. It's part of it. It's a buffet. It, you you get everybody's premium stuff. So so pay to see Alex if that's the reason why you signed up. That's great. You still get my stuff. You get my free stuff and my premium stuff because it's all part of that all-you-can-eat thing. Uh, it's a Netflix. That... It's like Netflix for truthers, guys. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, yeah, and we, you know, we we but we have to constantly do this game where we move from one platform to the other because the authoritarians are cracking down and we can't say certain words and things like that. And it and I, sucks. It sucks, but I. I will take a little bit of um, I will take it as a little bit of a good sign in that 
if we if we weren't having an impact, they wouldn't be trying so hard to censor us. You know, if we weren't getting through on some level, they they would just you know they just say, well, keep talking about all this stuff, dummies. You know, you do whatever you need to do. We're not worried about you, but they are worried about us. They're worried about people blowing up their little scam that they have all the scams that they have running by talking about it and giving up the game, which is what we constantly do. So we can't be there. You know, they got to get rid of us. But thanks, thankfully, the people at Rockfin and also Odyssey Library, uh, they've been great to they've been great to us. You know, they've been great. They've uh, given us a, a platform. They said, just don't say anything crazy. You know, don't say anything. Don't uh, advocate violence. I'm like, well, we're not doing yeah, that. Of course. Yeah, no, nobody you know, was, nobody's doing that. Don't don't goose step around on camera and, and yeah. you know do all, it's like, okay fine if these well, that's are, if this it, yeah, that, no, you, I, you know that's a law it says that you can't say anything anti-Semitic it really does say that I mean which I, I mean you know I'm not gonna say anything anti-Semitic but it's funny how if we said something about Israel did not all right we're gonna get out of here guys I just want to say for the YouTube the link is in the description guys we're gonna say bye to uh, uh, there's 114 and then we're gonna say bye to the backup YouTube channel so. Both of y'all are going by. We're going to be on Rockfin, and we're going X-rated. I'm telling you, we're going to be talking about all this stuff. We're not pulling any punches. So, like I'm saying, guys, five, four, three, two, one. Bye, YouTube. Okay, hold on. Let's wait 20 seconds. Make sure we're off all the YouTube. Charlie, see you. Back of YouTube. Okay, and then now I think we should be good. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, now we are, uh, we are can be uncensored. All right, let's about, yeah. We can talk about let's talk we about the Jews. No, <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what they. they I'm think just kidding. No, no, but let's actually. If you don't want to talk about this, and I want to talk about the Jews, what do you think about the Israel and Palestine kind of going on? What? Because that's a hard one. That's a hard for any truther. That's a hard yeah. question because I don't know where I stand. Because I mean, I'm not pro-Israel, but I mean, I, I lean to Palestine. But I also, I'm not some Palestinian lover. You know, it's a weird situation right. to be in. So where do you where do you kind of fall in line with that? I don't like the murdering of people. I don't like the innocent murder on either side. I don't like it. I don't. Uh, I don't. I, I am not on Team Israel. I will tell you that. Um, I think, that, and that's not. Oh God, I feel like I have to do the whole song and dance, or you have to do you all do. the disclaimer. You can do it. Do the disclaimer. It's fair, but we're on Rockfin. We're not on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Do know, the disclaimer. It's I not it. a. It's not a Jewish thing. It's not a Jewish thing. How can it? How can, in my world? How can it? It can't be a Jewish thing. All my friends are Jewish. It's not that. It's an. It's a. It's the country of Israel, and I have problems with the management and the government of the country of Israel. The same way I have problems with the management and the government of the country of the United States and Great Britain and Saudi Arabia. I have problems with all these. It's not. I'm not pick. I'm not singling them out, and it has nothing to do with the religion of, of anyone. I don't care about that. I care about a country with a, a a nuclear country that is treating the Palestinians like they're insects and 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 talking about it the, the talking about it like these people are insects and they deserve to die I don't know if you've seen the the Abby Martin interview on the street it's from a, f a few years ago but it's been making the rounds recently and she's interviewing all these people and she's I don't know she's in Israel somewhere Tel Aviv I'm not not positive. And she's asking, you know, man on the street questions and telling, and the comments are psychopathic. I mean, what the, the what Charlie, saying, Charlie, I just saw a video this week. They should, they went to a, a Jewish school and they asked, what do you want to the Jewish kids? What do you think should happen to the Palestinians? They should die. They should die. And these are, these are 
I don't know how old your kids are, but I mean, these are six, seven year old. I don't know how to tell a kid's age, but these kids can barely talk. And they are the, the words they can articulate is die. Palestinians die. Yeah, that's pretty dark. I, mean, I don't like that, man. I don't like that at all. I'm not look, and I'm not trying to say that that the Palestinians. I mean, look, the Palestinians are in a, a, a horrible situation. It's like, well, they're shooting rockets at us. Of course they are. What else do they have? I mean, they're they're do you throwing think that's rocks. Real? At you do you think too. the Iron Dome's real? I think that's bullshit. When it when it goes, oh, I, don't know. I don't know. I know it's hard to tell, but I, I'm I'm they are shooting rockets. But we fund both sides. We give Hamas yeah. money and we give them money, and that Iron Dome. I mean, it goes up, boom, and like these reporters are all standing next to it. It just seems like it'd be if there was really. I'm not saying there's not rockets going up, but if these really were like anti-defense missiles, you think you'd be a little scared, or I don't know. It just looks to me when I watch it, it looks fuddy-duddy, but I'm sure it could be real. I I just want everybody to live in peace and harmony. I want the Palestinians to be treated better. I, I, they live in an open air prison system. I, I don't, I don't love what's being done to them. I just, and that, and, 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 and I think that that's reasonable to not like that. I don't know why. I mean, how can you be pro killing all these people? What if, I don't know. I, I've been to the middle East. I it's, it's, it's different, obviously that's putting it mildly, but there's some beautiful people there, man. There's some people that are that don't want that aren't spending their days trying to figure out how to kill the other side, and and it the whole thing just makes it gives me the creeps, man. I don't I don't like it, and 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 our relationship, our blind loyalty to Israel is disgusting to me. Where you can't, where you have to be Mark Ruffalo and then like get on your get on your knees and just and just fuck unzip the pants and just start blowing, you know, because they, because you've got a movie coming out. And if you don't do that, then, then, then you're never going to work again in Hollywood. So you have to do the thing where you go, Oh, I was, I, you know, I reflected on this and then, and, and I've changed my opinion and blah, blah, blah. Oh, stop, man. That's some fucking embarrassing. Have you seen I, this? Look at this China thing. Hold on. Look at this John Cena video. Oh because, yeah. Yeah. Cause he said, he said that China, he said Taiwan was a country and, Dude, it is what, a country. I know, but what is this freak ass? How does he know how to? See? I mean, I'm sure he's like learned. China. I mean, this is he. He did some. Uh, you know, uh, what is that? Not 23 and Me. What is that language? Rosetta learning? Stone. Rosetta Stone. You know, he did some sort of Rosetta Stone shit. I don't know how the fuck he did this. Uh, we got to watch a whole. I mean, his Chinese is pretty good. I, I'll, I'll give him that. He sounds like he knows. He must have actually studied. It, is what I'm trying to say. Like he he he's yeah. put the time in. Like bodybuilding. He put. He's not. He's not some bitch ass. He puts in the work, but no, he, he's, a, he's a bitch ass to cow, bow down like this. Look at this. And during one interview, look at this. Oh, I listen to play some song. But this is literally, guys, this is how sad these people are. I mean, for Israel, they cuck so fast. But I mean, they'll cook for any of these countries. Yeah. I mean, John, you got the number one wrestler or whatever. I mean, you know, I love wrestling. I grew up loving it. I like wrestling. He's he's at one point was a top draw, and he's speaking Chinese, apologizing to China. If he should be like, snap into a Slim Jim, suck my dick, China. I mean, what the right. fuck is this, dude? <laughs> Let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to come over there in China and I'm going to kick you in the nuts. You know, I would love that. That'd be fantastic. But, but what we saw this with, with, um, 
Star Wars where they where they moved John Boyega's face out, you know, on the poster. They made yes. that small. It was like, we don't have black people in China. We don't want any of that. And he didn't, he didn't say a peep. They took him off the poster and they didn't say a peep in America. Dude, Black Lives Matter has, has funneled $90 million all to Joe Biden's campaign. They would, they, if they knew they did that in China, they would be shitting their bed. If they did that on a poster here, if whatever, if the Farley brothers or whatever, oh, some director God. came out with a thing, oh yeah, we put the black guy in the back. Oh, they would, they would be canceled forever. And in China, to put John Boyega, the main star, as like the sixth character, like behind like C three PO or something. Yep, yep, yep. And and Top Gun, same thing. They 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 had to uh, rewrite the script instead of it being China. They had to make it North Korea, and you know all these things. This this when you're when you're trying to get a piece of that market, and that market comes with strings attached. They, the corporations have to make a decision. Are we going to play ball? Is it going to, is it going to impact the integrity of the film? And look, Hollywood doesn't, Hollywood's all about money. They're not, I mean, I'm sure some people are worried about the integrity of the film, probably the director and the writer and everything like that. But when it comes to the studio heads, they're like, Hey man, if we don't make X number of dollars on this, I lose my job. So I am going to say, we are going, we're going to, you know, we're going to, I'm going to make the call. We're going to bow down. We're going to, we're going to, uh, you know, anybody that starts talking about G looking like Winnie the Pooh, we're going to, you know, we're going to get rid of them. And, you know, because, uh, or, 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 um, general, uh, Daryl Morley, Daryl Morley from the general manager of the Houston Rockets makes yeah. a comment. Yeah. About he said, yeah. He said, what did he say? To, yeah. He was anti-China and he almost lost his job. They almost lost yep. his job. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And the, the and, and NBA almost went away in China and they were like, man, you better get out there on your apology tour and start, and start kissing some Chinese. Well, LeBron James you. sucks with Chinese dick. I mean, no doubt about oh, it. Yeah. He sucks their dick. Yeah. Yeah. So all of you know, the, it's, it's a it's a weird situation to be put in because we understand that cultural norms are different here than they are in China. Um, I've been to Shanghai. It's an inter interesting place. It's kind of like like if you were on the set of Blade Runner, you know. It's but but in real life, it's a fascinating place. It feels like that, like a dystopian kind of like yeah. a, a city. It really does. Shanghai. Yeah. Feels well, like that. in Shanghai, it does. Hong Kong's amazing. Hong Kong is like probably my favorite big city in the world but shanghai but, feels like a cyberpunk kind of like a futuristic play i need now well, i want to well, go <laughs> well well what i did i remember we got there we were up on the roof uh the rooftop deck of our hotel and every in every direction we looked we couldn't see where the buildings ended it, it, we we were up in a tall building. you look as far as you could see you couldn't see where they ended it was like being in a on a planet of all high rises it was very weird that's, and, and that, I, you know that's unpleasant it's like new york on steroids kind of or what i mean it is yeah because at least in new york if you go up to like the world trade center or you know you you go to the the one world one world new world yeah, order, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever and you go to the observation deck you can see you can see jersey you can see you can see water you can see where it all ends but in Shanghai, man, at least where it's I was. no relief. You're telling me it's just building upon building. So it's like a concrete jungle. Concrete jungle. Yeah. And a weird one at that. So, uh, but weird, weird by, cool. by American standards, of course, but, but it, you have this, this, uh, this dance you have to do if you want to make things work in China. You know, we, we, we had to do, I was there for, uh, uh, 
a real estate development conference for high rises. We were selling a high rise in Las Vegas and we needed Chinese uh, brokers to, to help sell our, our building. So, so I was there for a week talking to people and, and doing all that. And you've got to have somebody on the ground there that understands the culture and understands everything. Uh, well, China, China China's the biggest, they love American real estate. So you're telling me, you oh, guys, yeah. yeah, I'm saying they're obsessed with it. They say they're buying it. I mean, I guess a lot of people, Saudi Arabia, a lot of foreign countries are buying American real estate. But these Chinese people, they say they buy it and they don't even put anything in it. Have you seen that where they just buy the property uh, and they don't even do anything with it? Or have they, they've, you know. Yeah, it's, 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 they're trying to get their money out. That's why they don't even care if, if, if they ever go there. They just want to have assets outside of the control of China. So they will um, buy a, a house or a couple houses or a couple condos and high rise buildings all over the world and, and, and leave them empty if, if they need to, or maybe put a renter in there or something. But it's, it's not, cause it's not about, I'm going to travel and go there. It's about how do I get some of my money out of this country in case I get on the wrong side of somebody and they decide to take it from, you know, the government decides that they're going to, Shut they got to sneak you out of a speaker. Head. Didn't they sneak some guy out of a speaker? Or maybe that was in Japan. But yeah, I mean, that was that was in Japan. That was the the that was the CEO of uh, Volkswagen or something. What was it? Yeah, what? something yeah, like yeah. that. They they got him out. Nissan. Um, he was a Nissan guy. Nissan. Yeah, guy. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he right. He did something, and they, they he hired a, a milit uh, Marines. I think they're American Marines, and they snuck him out in a speaker but he ended up getting caught poor guy oh did you hear this oh i should pull it up but okay you know the movie catch me if you can with frank abagnale with Le uh, leonardo yeah. DiCaprio. it's supposedly all bullshit the guy was frank abagnale was supposedly in jail for uh three of the years of the main movie just really? came out yes just came out just came out today uh i believe the article here let me pull it up frank because that movie was epic and i'm like everything is a fucking lie uh, 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 hold on. Let's see. Daily Mail. I want to pull this up. This blew my mind. I'm like, you know, the news is fake. Obviously, if Hollywood does a, a you know, uh, a movie about it, it probably has to be fake. But look at this. You got to get your opinion. Okay. Uh, Frank Abagnale's book, Catch Me If You Can. Uh, new book claims Catch Me If You Can. Frank Abagnale's cons are fake. Frank Abagnale Jr. may be running the longest con ever known for Catch Me If You Can. Abagnale was a clever teen who posed as a Pan Am pilot to travel the world in the 1960s. He raked in two and a half million, passing off bad checks, all while evading FBI and Interpol. His fantastic feats were immortalized in a 1980 book, then a 2002 blockbuster movie. Later on, a 2011 Broadway musical, but the new book claims this is it. Abigail was born in 1948, said he committed his crimes between ages 16 and 21. Records show he was serving a three-year sentence for forgery at Great Meadow Correctional. So, oopsie. I'm just saying, even guys, even the people that they annul, like, oh, this is the cool gangster guy. They're not even real gangsters. Even the gangsters they put up are fake. That just shows you literally all of Hollywood is fake. We live in a fake, a fake world that's sold to us by our media uh, our, our athlete, our heroes are fake. They're all, you know, closeted, you know, <laughs> all the leading men in Hollywood, God knows, are, yeah. you know, all that stuff. It's just, it's so disappointing because you, that, you know, you want to believe in something and I believe in Frank Abagnale and now what am I going to do? I know. I believe in that. What do you think about Michelle Obama? Is she a man? I know that's that far out there. And the only reason it's like all the evidence, I don't know if it's enough when you see the dong with Ellen DeGeneres, but Joan Rivers, who I love, who I, I didn't, I mean, I'm not some like 
fashionista or something, but Joan Rivers held her own on the Howard Stern show. She always was a tough like woman, tough yeah. cookie. She said Michelle Obama's a boy. I tend to believe Joan Rivers. I don't know why she'd make that up. And then she died like right after that too. No, I mean that's like what? I mean what? That that's a Hillary Clinton uh, sniff. Smells like a killery. Smells right up that alley. It smells like a Seth Rich. Nobody even talks mm. about Seth Rich, Charlie. Can you believe that guy died? Uh, it was Bernie Sanders, you know, one of his biggest uh, allies or in his cabinet, whatever it was. And he was the one that released all the emails about Hillary and the DNC. And she, think about all the people that died, Charlie. What the hell? There's a lot of them. You know, I, I don't I don't know about you, but I don't know 60 something people that have committed suicide. No. Nobody does. I just don't. And uh, and there's a lot of people connected to the Clintons that, that blow up in airplanes. A lot of people connected to the Bushes that blow up in airplanes. There's just a lot of that going on. So much so that I think it warrants a little bit of investigation. Now, back to your question. was Is Mo- Michelle Obama a dude? I don't know. But I know this. Everything about the Obamas is a carefully crafted masterpiece in forgery. You know, their their whole identity, uh, who he is, who he was, what he's all about. Talk about a talk about an actor, you know, one hundred percent charismatic, great on camera, had a little swagger to him. Seemed like you know when he's you know, he's calling Kanye West, yeah, he's a jackass, you know, he's doing these things, and you go, well, that's something I would say, or you know, you catch yourself feeling this connection going, well, that's something I might do. Or you see him hit a basket, you know, and you go, oh, well, he's, you know, he's still got a pretty good jump shot. All these things carefully crafted to make you connect with these people who behind closed doors, God only knows what these people, what they're doing. And I'm not, I'm not just picking on, on Obama who deserves it though. Uh, but I, and it's not just the Democrats, but you know, the Republicans too. I mean, who is George, George HW Bush was one of the worst human beings to ever live on this planet. I was waiting to bring him up. I just have him on the list. So go ahead. Let's get relay into him, please. Yeah. Yeah. He has a George Bush museum right down the street. And I had the cops called me at this nine 11. I brought signs and protests. It just kind of, you know, tongue-in-cheek protest by myself, but yeah, the cops came. It was funny. But go ahead, tell me what. Tell me why George Bush sucks. He's he's the worst. He's such an idiot. Such a uh, uh, useful. He's the Joe Biden on steroids because he thought he was actually doing stuff. You know, like Joe Biden, I think realizes that he's just a puppet. I think I think George Bush like really thought, man, I was a mastermind when I was a president. Well, George Bush's most devious. Uh history is is not while he was president it was before that i mean the things that he was doing for the cia you know he was the head of the largest cocaine trafficking network on the planet george hw bush about the iran contra you're talking about you know the nicaraguans when we were bringing drugs in and to mean arkansas wait so you're talking about george w or talking about his dad his dad i'm talking about his dad yeah yeah his dad yeah yeah. Yeah. his dad his dad his grandfather's even worse prescott bush is even worse right i mean prescott bush was trading with the enemies he should rightly have been uh hung but he was he was the head of uh of uh what was it uh something something having to do with the army i forget forget what it was but he was he he had a position that was like oh we can't hang the guy that's doing this he was it was like 
VFW or something. I don't know. He, he was he was involved in something that was military related and they thought it would be bad PR to hang that guy. But he should rightfully have been hung, which think about that for a second, how that would have changed the, the history of the world. But, but well, I kind of anyway. hate that. That's so annoying. I hate all that Q stuff. They're going to hang Nancy Pelosi. They're going to hang. I mean, yeah. I mean, and I, I was never like so into Q because they said that we went to the moon. They said the moon landing is real. So that's why that's why I kind of wasn't yeah, ever in the queue. But I hate all that. We're going to hang them. But so so they, Prescott should have been hanged. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Prescott Prescott Bush should have been should have been hanged for sure. He was um, he was running Brown Brother Harriman and he was he was financing the Nazis. He was he was in, involved in doing that. But but then George H.W. Bush, what he did, his his role in in the cocaine trafficking and his influence. And, you know, Clinton is is rightly credited with the um, um omnibus crime bill and the private prison industry and all of that. But that was on the drawing boards with, was with HW Bush as well. So he was sort of the architect of that. And those guys, uh, Bill Clinton and George HW Bush, they were buddies. I mean, I know they ran against each other in, in, in 92, but, but in real life, uh, Bush was running the cocaine empire and his guy right below him, maybe not directly below him, but down a couple, maybe down a notch or two on the chain, was Bill Clinton as the, the governor of Arkansas. As the governor of Arkansas, that's where he, Bill became a made man by doing that. If you're able to run the cocaine and do all of that and keep that network going, you have proven yourself to be worthy, and that's why he was elevated and later became the president. And I think H.W. Bush, for ego purposes, probably would like to have won uh, that that reelection. But in the in a sense, it's all in the family still. He was out and he could go do his own thing and and be involved with Carlisle Group and and do weapons uh, deals with Saudi Arabia and all these places, and um, influence peddling. God knows how much money those those people have stuffed in some Cayman Islands bank account somewhere. But it's got to be in the billions of dollars. So it's it's a crime family. But George H. W. Bush was in charge of it. His dopey son George W. Bush, of course, is. For our generation, we're more, you know, attached to him. He's 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 more recent. But I think that I think that Papa Bush slides under the radar a little bit because, you know, he gets this he had this reputation of I don't want to eat my broccoli and I'm not gonna eat my broccoli and I'm the president and everything. Like, oh, he's just like one of us. No, he's not. He's not like one of us. Not even a little bit. He is a psychopathic predator, a child molester, a rapist who also was, let's be honest, he was involved in the Franklin scandal, too. He was, remember, v VP's uh, call boy ring coming yes, through. They caught like, having they, having House. male prostitutes, guys. This is a, all declassified. Look it up. They had male prostitutes. And this is they caught them. This is the time they caught them. So imagine all the times they had that where they didn't get caught. Right. But yeah. but. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Your well, that that that's you know, that's who this guy is. You know that that's who these people are. The he he's the former head of the CIA for a long time, so he knows where the bodies are buried and uh, probably contributed a few of his own speculation on my part. Yeah. Um, but um, but what he did in destroying the inner cities through a combination of running cocaine in uh, the omnibus crime bill that un under Clinton that who, who really took it, took the ball and ran with it. And the private prison industries that these guys created 
have done more to destroy the black community than anything I can think of. And yet Bill Clinton in 1992 went on Arsenio Hall, put sunglasses on, played saxophone, and the black community thought he was the coolest white guy they'd ever seen. Right. And they voted for him in droves and he sold them out. He sold them out immediately and on disproportionately long prison stretches for having rock cocaine, which is thought to be a black drug as opposed to powdered cocaine. And they made mandatory minimum uh, sentencing laws for that so that they could hollow out the black community, send all the fathers to prison on long stretches. By the way, they're just getting out right now on their 25 year sentences that, that Clinton put them in, in in his second term. They're just getting out of prison now. So how do you quantify that, man? How do you how do you put a price on what these guys have done to society, whether whether it's, you know, it, it's creating a private prison industry, which by all reasonable accounts should never exist. <laughs> it's fucking disgusting. Well, well, so real quick, the private prison industry, that's my favorite thing is that, that there's this clandestine. There was this meeting that all these record executives talk about that they had this clandestine meeting in the late 80s that said they had like Time Warner, Arista, all the top record uh, labels there. And they said, hey, guys. Uh, uh, some guy came up in a suit and said, listen, this is just a fact. You guys have to do this, that your companies are investing in the private prison industry. And we want you guys to influence a lifestyle with drugs and violence and gangster rap because they want to do exactly what you said, denuclearize the, uh, they want to take away the nuclear family. So all these black people yeah. grew up without a father's and they would give incentivized mothers to have babies out of wedlock by giving them more uh, a welfare incentive so they've created the welfare state and i'm not saying we shouldn't help people i'm sure you want to help people i'm not i don't care about Absolutely. helping poor black people but 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 by uh, giving them one ounce of cocaine is equal to one crack rock is not uh, one ounce of powder cocaine is equal to one crack rock that's not the same that is a racist law and that was meant yeah. to like you said rot them out from the inside out but this is my point because we always get so long-winded because i want to say with george bush this is why i believe we can beat the new world order this is why charlie this is why i have hope Prescott Bush, genius. I mean, you know what I mean, genius. Smart guy. Idiot. Bad guy. But you know what I mean? And, and even George Bush, uh, his, you know, his son. These guys were smart guys. They were whatever, manipulative. George W. Bush, we're dealing with the copies, the autistic third round now of these elitists, you know? So these guys are going to be stupid. Like with this coronavirus pandemic, they've wanted to push play on this forever with Ebola, with bird flu. And I guess these other presidents, you know, these other global leaders like, oh, not yet, not yet. What I'm saying is, now I think they put this shit into effect a little too early and people are realizing the coronavirus is fake and they're realizing stuff. And we're dealing with the autistic third generation, the George W. Bushes now, the DWI uh, baseball team owning idiots that don't really have the same motivation because they grew up with a silver spoon in their mouth. So maybe they don't even care about world domination as much as their, their uh, you know, elders. That's the problem when you when you keep these you know, the bloodline families where they're all intermarried, intermarried and everything, you wind up with, uh, with like mongoloid kids, you know, that, that are totally incompetent. And so, yeah, you go up with George W. Bush and he's trying to run things and he, he, you know, he's like, watch watch this, watch this drive, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny. It's just so cartoonish. By the way, back to the cocaine thing just oh, for yeah. one second. I have to tell you this because it was so funny. The, the most famous person that I have in my in my cell phone, in my phone, as far as a phone number goes, is somebody I met at Anarchapulco. I met Freeway Rick, Freeway Good. Rick Ross. He, okay, so yeah, I want to hear all about it. Because didn't he say he used to get just shipments of cocaine, like a van would just be left somewhere? Or what did he tell you? Because he was well, the, he, the biggest cocaine dealer in the West Coast, for people that don't know. 
Yeah, he was. So the story I had to ask him. I said, "Listen, man, I was in college when I heard about him in the in the '90s, and uh, in the story I heard, I said, listen, I got to talk to you because we were on the, we were both speaking in Narcopulco, and then we we were on the same plane out. So we were. I was I was chatting with him in the um, in airport, the in, in the airport time, yeah. in in Mexico, and we also wound up doing a show together uh, a couple weeks later. But I said, listen, man, you got to settle something for me because. My roommates and I in college, we had this heard this story about you, that that you had, that the your fingerprints on your fingers were worn off from counting so much money. Uh, is that true? He said. He said. He said it's partially true. He said I would get. He said it wasn't that they were worn off, but it's like he said I would get. Um, I would get infections from it, you know, because the money's so dirty. I might get a little cut and my fingers would get so infected from it that we we couldn't do. I said, you don't have like a, a, a money counter thing? He goes, of course, we've got those. I mean, we had those. Yeah. But he's like, you just you're they have around to count so it 10 times. They have to count it five times. Because they're short. And I thought that a lot of times with the money, they wanted their fingers. So they didn't have fingerprints like the, the Colombians did. They want they would put like pineapple juice and stuff supposedly on their fingerprints. So if they got arrested, and they they did their fingerprints. They wouldn't know their back records. I thought they like wanted to have no fingerprint. That was like a a positive yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, maybe this is he was doing this in the eighties, you know. And and he's such a he's such a cool guy. And 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 you know, I I said, were you? I said, is it true? Were you making two million dollars a day in cash? He said, no, that's not true. I was making three million dollars a year in cash, or three million dollars a day in cash. I was like, God damn. <laughs> I know. Talk about it. But, but, you know, think about this. So he did all that coke, you know, made all that government money that that's funded all those black ops. What do you think? Should they decriminalize drugs? So I personally believe, like, what's going on in Oregon, I, I, I'd hate to say this. I, I, I do think drugs should be decriminalized in some sort of safe way because putting, like you yeah. said, black people in jail for nonviolent drug offenses has ruined the black community, really made it hard. So what do you think about drugs yeah. and the war on drugs? Well, I am pro-drugs. Um, Me too. And, uh, it, you know, look, I, I mean, the the schedule, the current drug schedule is is ridiculous. Now, you have marijuana as a Schedule One drug, which means that it has no medicinal value, and yet half the states have it legalized for medical use. Sure, like, yeah. stop, this is insanity. You're, you're trying to pretend that this is that doesn't have any sort of benefits. So uh, Portugal has decriminalized drugs and they have uh, seen drug use drop. They've seen violent crimes drop. There's, I live in Denver. Denver has decriminalized mushrooms. Uh, marijuana is legal. It was the first state that had uh, weed legalized. Now, is it is it is it true that Marijuana can be a gateway drug to other drugs. Of course, yes. but alcohol is. You know, alcohol, alcohol is the is biggest good. gateway because your inhibitions. Wait, 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 real quick. I didn't realize you're in Trinver. So, wow. So, you're in the corona capital of the world. Charlie, how is your coronavirus? Has everybody been masked up? I bet your coronavirus experience from people in Colorado have been complaining because it's all white people, white liberals. What is your experience? Forget drugs, decriminalized drugs. Yeah. We should be legal. What is your experience in Colorado? Been good or bad? My experience has been that when I go to the grocery store, it is masked. You know, there's the sign. You have to wear your masks. I walk in like I I am blind or something and don't see the sign. I grab a little basket. I go through the store. I get all of my stuff. I go through the self-checkout and I walk out. Nobody says anything to me. I, I and, and I go into this 
with like a force field up. Like I'm ready to, I'm ready for the rumble. You know, I'm, I'm expecting someone to be like, Hey, excuse me, sir, put your mask. It hasn't happened. The only time it's happened was at a restaurant. I was in the lot in the, in the, I walked right in and there were a couple people waiting to be seated. And she's like, sir, you know, you're going to have to have your mask on. I was like, I, I said, no, I'm exempt. And she goes, what? I said, I'm exempt. Thank you though. And she's like, what do you mean you're exempt? I said, I, I mean, I'm exempt. And she goes, how are you exempt? I said, I'm exempt because I'm not participating in this. So we'd like our table now. And she says, I can't seat you. I said, she, I said you want me to put a mask on to walk to that table over there? To take it off. Where I can take my mask off and eat. And she said, sir, I'm trying to keep everybody safe. And I just go, how? Yeah. How are it's you keeping serious. everybody safe? Please explain to me in what universe you're keeping everybody safe by telling me to wear a, a mask that on the side of the box says it does not prevent the spread of coronavirus. It says it doesn't fucking work on the side of the box. And you and you think that I'm going to put this thing on and then walk 18 steps to that table, take it off, and that our problem is solved? I mean, just stop this charade. And so, but, but I am, I am... I'm difficult, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm difficult with that stuff. So I will have the, the, the argument because it needs to be had because I need to remind them that what they are telling us to do is inconsistent with logic and science and reality and common sense. And if they're unwilling or unable to see that, I'm going to make them see that I am going to make, I am going to ruin their night by doing that. And so, and I don't, want to be a jerk about it. I always start off nice, but if somebody start and it's happened a couple of times and every time I've had the same reaction, which is I just come all in all over the top just to, to make them feel like, first of all, the audacity of some stranger coming up to you and telling you what you need to do. Who are you? I don't work for you. I don't know you get out of my face. You know, that, that, that just, irritates me right off the bat. But then, you know, when you dig into the science like we have and it, there's no logic in it, it doesn't make, it's constantly changing today. There's one rule, the next day there's something else. You know, I just, I just refuse to participate in this. And, and, and what I've noticed, and I, I know a lot of people have noticed this too, there are a lot of people that are actively participating. They love it. They love being told what to do. They like to tell other people what to do. They're busybodies. They want to feel like your video of you going through uh, Krispy Kreme's drive-through. I've told you before, it's genius, man. It's it, you have to you have to troll these people because they deserve it. And I get it. They're just following instructions. Some manager told them they got to do what they got to do and everything, but. It's also our duty and obligation to expose their utter hypocrisy, their comical misunderstanding of science, and their authoritarian aspirations. And so I, I don't have a problem uh, mixing it up with people when it comes to this. I'd prefer not to. No shit. <laughs> I'm going to do, I'm going to just operate as if there are no. Um, rules in place. The only place that I've had this problem where I've had to, I've had to bow down yeah. has been 
getting on the airplanes yeah. and that, and I haven't done it too much, but I've done it a couple of well, times. One thing about that, even, even if we were in a real pandemic, I could understand you maybe have to wear a mask on airplane. I haven't flown since because I'm such a bitch ass. And I, I, I love to travel, Charlie. You, you, you go to Shanghai, you go to Germany, you go to all these places. I know you can't go without traveling. It sounds like, cause you're in real estate. My life, I've letting them win is my point it is, is I've, I've not had to wear a mask, you know, in real life. I'll, I'll, I'm in Texas, so it's pretty laid back. But yeah. what I'm saying is, dude, I've cucked. Charlie, I was a guy, I've been all over the world, I've, and, and now I haven't traveled in, in over 12 months because I don't yeah. want to wear a mask for the whole flight. Uh, am I a bitch ass? Do I need to just do it to go fly and see my friends? What should no, I do? No, no, you're not, actually. I, I, I respect your, your you know, I mean, I had some instances where I just, I, I I was stuck. I had no, I had no option. I had to get on a plane. So what did I do? I cut, I, I got, I wore the mask down below my nose, was told by a flight attendant, um, pull it, push it up to which I just looked at them and kept walking. Then the guy grabbed my shoulder. The flight said, attendant? Yeah. As I was walking down the aisle, grabbed my shoulder and said, put your mask up. I turned around I took two steps where one step towards him would have been appropriate. Maybe I took two steps towards him. So I was I right in his face and I said, don't touch me. And the guy was like, you know, he was like not expecting that. And then I pulled my mask up a little bit more and I turned and walked down the aisle. Well, that guy had his eyes on me the entire flight. So what I did was I just covered my head with my jacket. I had my laptop underneath and I was watching videos and I took my mask off and did whatever, you know, or just, whatever. But, yeah, yeah. but so, you know, but, but did I, I feel good about myself? I know you didn't wear it the whole myself? time, but, but say, no. no, you don't feel good, but. No, no, but no, no. I, 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 I do, I don't like to comply with unjust orders. And I feel that this is, you know, because it's like, oh, you, you know, you've got social, you can't sit in this seat in the airport because they got a big sticker on it. So, this, so you have to sit in that seat, you know, so nobody can be sitting next to each other, but then they march you onto a plane and put you four inches away from the person on your right and your left. So what are we doing? What are none we pretending? It, none of it makes sense. It's like having a ping section in a swimming pool to wear a mask just to walk to your table. I mean, nothing is based in reality, but like you, you being in Colorado uh, uh, and where the restrictions are more intense, I always think about this. I love it. I love Colorado. I was, uh, you know, I've been to SS Park, been all over Colorado. You know, it's all white. There's no black people there. But that's why it's, that's why the, that's kind of why the problem is like that. It's like that South Park episode where all the people in Colorado smell their own farts. Have you seen that episode? No. <laughs> well, Charlie, you've never seen the South Park, uh, Colorado episode? Oh, everybody drives, everybody drives a Prius and they love the smell of their own farts because it's all white, rich, elitist. Not elitist. You're not elitist. I'm saying, you know, it's a well, it's a nice place. Colorado is the most beautiful state, probably, uh, other than California, because California is the ocean. I'd say Colorado is the most beautiful state. I mean, maybe Florida. What do you think? It's beautiful. I lived in a I lived in a uh, city called Castle Pines, and my buddy, uh, like my best friend, who's Japanese, he's like, "Hey man," he's like, "I looked up the stats on your city, and it's 05 percent uh, Asian and put no, it's point five percent black." And so he started calling it White Castle yeah, instead. Exactly. That's right. He goes, "So how's White Castle doing?" It's 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 white, and it's and I'm not just talking about the snow. It is a uh, 
it, there are a lot of honkies out here in uh well listen I, I gotta tell you my story so i'm i'm in colorado about now this is almost less than two years ago but uh i'm at the sunglass hut and the only black guy i see the whole time i go and you know how scary that airport is we got to talk about blucifer you got to talk about your airport i believe you know denver is a new world order headquarters something's going on there but before we get into that i asked the black dude at the site i go dude i'm gonna be honest i've been i've been in this small town we went up to uh uh uh, Salida, Colorado. I was like, man, I hadn't seen one black person. You're the first black dude. And the guy goes, I know, I'm adopted, man. There's no, I grew up with no <laughs> black people. I swear, I started dying laughing. That's literally how rare it is. But what do you think about that airport? And uh, and how'd you get to Denver? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I wound, I, I've only been here for like almost six years now. My wife is from Denver. So I, I'm from Southern California normally. But, but the Denver airport is everything that you've read or seen or heard about it is totally true it is weird there's a um, there's a plaque like not a it's like a an engraving and it's in this obscure part of the airport you, most people will never even see it but it, it and i've taken pictures of it it's it says the new world airport commission which isn't even a thing and it was dedicating this airport from the new world it was like the new world airport commission and then it had freemason logos all over it the 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 square and compass and all these things and i was like dang man and and so that's that's unusual and then you you walk around first of all you mentioned blucifer blucifer is the gigantic blue horse statue that is out in front of the airport as you're driving in you'll see it it's gigantic it's bright blue it's like three stories high it's got red glowing eyes and the story is that the sculptor that made it wound it wound up falling on him and killing him so so that's not good. And it has nothing to do, by the way, with the Denver Broncos. It's not their logo or anything having to do with that. So that's your entrance. That's when you get to the airport. You, you see that right off the bat. So you're already starting off on the wrong foot. If you have to go to this bathroom that's around the side, then you'll see the New World Order Airport Commission plaque with all the Freemason signs all over it. And that's weird. And then you go through and if you get to if, when you're in the baggage claim area, that's where they've got the big murals, the murals of the Nazi stormtrooper type guy with the gas mask on with a machine gun in one hand and a giant sword in the other and then a bunch of dead kids from all different national different countries all laid out dead like crossed arms with like flowers and you know you're like this is settling are you afraid to are you a little nervous about flying this will settle you right down let's let let me show you a world of dead kids everywhere i mean it's it's like an apocalyptic scene and there's four of them in different places so it's not just one there's like many of them so it's a it's a it's a trippy place man it is a weird weird place okay brian we got one caller brian uh, i put the call in link in the chat if anybody wants to call in it's up there because you know we gotta uh, charlie has to go pretty here in a little bit so you guys gotta call in quick if you want to brian uh, his audio is connecting but i'm telling you that everybody needs to fly into denver just to see that airport or go look at that statue but Brian, I, your audio is not working. I might have to let you go. What a bummer. Let's see. We'll give him a couple more seconds. Do you use Zoom, Charlie, for your interviews or do you use Skype? I use Zoom. I use Zoom. I'll tell you one more thing about the Denver airport. Okay. If people go there now and check it out, uh, when you come outside of where, where the baggage claim area is, there's a lot of renovations going on. So they've got uh, areas that used to have retail stores, but they're they're boarded off in a, in a nice way. And then on where it's boarded off, there's there's uh, these well-made 
gigantic like decals that are there and it's a picture of the, and they've done them they're all over the place you'll see a picture of a lizard and it says sorry for our uh continue or for our construction there are a few things that may be happening here a we are expanding the underground layer for the lizard people b uh, this is the, we're expand, we're, we're building out the new world order or something or other, uh, retail some, or, you know, something. And then see, we're just fixing up the retail to make it look better. So they're even playing on it. They, they have know, a gargoyle too, right? Didn't they have a gargoyle thing, Charlie? There's a gargoyle that's coming out. That's in the baggage claim. There's a, there's a, if you look up and in the corner, there's, um, there's a suitcase and coming out of that suitcase is a gargoyle that's watching everybody. It's totally crazy brian <laughs> brian you're live with charlie and alex what do you got for us bud hey guys how you doing good brian how are you hey charlie uh thanks a lot for macro aggressions i i listened to it religiously love it um i was just wondering what do you what do you think uh where do you see the world going in the next uh next year or so boy i'll tell you if we don't get our act together these maniacs that are at the World Economic Forum are going to steamroll us and have us really eating bugs and, and owning nothing and we'll never be happier, according to them. I think it's it's a, it's a pivotal time. But, you know, with all that we've gone through over the last year, year and a half or whatever, I get this really strange feeling that it seemed like they rushed the agenda and maybe overplayed their hand a little bit. And that might be their weakness. Now, I don't know if that's, I don't know if I'm just perceiving that incorrectly or if they maybe got the memo, hey, speed things up, man. We don't have a whole lot of time. If we're gonna implement this agenda 2030, we're gonna have to move it up a couple years. Let's do the COVID uh, psychological operation. Let's roll in the uh, the vaccine agenda. Let's get everybody on board. Let's let's start the social credit system. Let's do it. And, it just feels like every agenda is coming in all at once and it feels a tiny bit rushed. So I do take a little bit of comfort in knowing that, that they don't, they don't seem to be coming at this from a position of, of strength, really. It seems more like a position of weakness. So I am, I am, I am optimistic in that, in that respect, but, but I am, I have major hesitations when it comes to, you know, how many people have just willfully given up their their freedoms and their rights and just said, oh, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll lock myself in my house based on fraudulent science. No problem. I'll shut my businesses down because the state told me to and, and I'll do anything that the government tells me to do because I'm a good little citizen. So on the one hand, I feel like there's this inverted curve where there's like it's like people are waking up at a huge rate right there it's just that curve is going is is going up in a nice degree but then there's this dumbing down of society that's happening and that's happening at an accelerated rate too so it's like we've got to stay ahead of the curve we've got to wake more people up to offset all of the dummies that are just falling into this thing and if we can do that if we can get more people awake than 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 you know you know, sleepwalking through this, this pandemic situation, then we've got a real chance to turn this around. And if we do, if we're able to finally get, you know, to break these people and, and have everybody, ex, you know, expose them and show the world who these people are, 
my my hope is that that sets them back, you know, a decade or two from their plan. So it's, but we're in a really important time in our history. I mean, it, Brian, you asked, a, it's a really good question. And I don't, I mean, I feel like it could go either way, really. But I am optimistic. There's components of this that make me feel very optimistic that that we're going to be able to come out of this uh, ahead. But but we don't have much time, and we can't really sit around and wait. We need everybody awake. We need to wake up uh, as many people as we can. We got to prioritize those that seem a little groggy, like they might come out of it. And then they're you know, if anybody's double masking in their Prius, just leave them alone. They're gone. You know. I think you're right Thank on. You, I, but real quick, Charlie, I just want to make that point. You nailed it. I think they rushed it out. I think you're really spot on with that. Well, Brian, I'm happy you got through. Thank you for calling in. You got anything else before I let you go? No, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Have a good Thanks, one. Brian. Thank you for calling in. You too. Um, well, you know, we've been doing this, uh, 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 you know, an hour and a half. I don't want to just wrap it up just yet, but here in the next five, ten minutes, what do you got for us, you know? this is this is one thing i think i think you're right i think we are at this precipice where people are getting dumber and smarter you know sadly it's not like yeah. uh it's it's not this perfect union of everybody waking up because everybody's half asleep and i always say this people are gonna get mad about this but they did a you remember a w hamburgers when they got in the hamburger business they did a um, nationwide survey to see uh they wanted to compete with mcdonald's quarter pounder burgers so what they did is they did a, uh, a survey study, you know, whatever, a marketing research study, and they asked Americans which hamburger they thought was bigger, the quarter pounder or the third pounder. And overwhelmingly, Americans said the one-fourth pounder, which is actually smaller than the quarter pounder because everybody's that dumb. They didn't they think the four is bigger. So we're dealing, I think you nailed it, we're dealing with people that aren't playing with a full deck of cards, that are easily manipulated with trauma-based mind control. So how do we wake them up from that spell, Charlie? Well, I think I think we have to prioritize our efforts. And I think there's a certain segment of the population that is just living a, like they are in the documentary idiocracy right now. They don't know it, but they're they're participating in this and they're never gonna wake up. And 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 I don't and I'm not trying to be a dick about that, but because I mean we all do the best with what we what we've got. We were all asleep at one point. We were all asleep. My problem is is with the the people that have the potential to be awake. The 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 in, you know with the intellectual horsepower to 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 understand what is going on, but who choose not to because in order to you know let's say you've you've you're let's say you're in your forties. You've lived your whole life believing a certain narrative told to you by the by the mainstream media that we're the good guys in America. We're always fighting for freedom. We're always doing this. Everyone else is the bad guys. We never want to get into these wars. We get dragged in against our and you believe that like a lot of us have, you know, when we were younger, before we figured it out. My my problem is with those people, those people that can wake up, but choose not to, because in order to wake up means to reevaluate their whole life and change things going forward. And they just don't want that. Man, I have no respect for those people. Those people make me sick because you owe it to yourself to look for the truth. And I don't, I don't know that everybody, I don't know that you can expect to always find the truth. You gotta, you gotta sort of seek it out and, and look in some unusual places to find it. But as long as you're, you're, you're headed in that direction. Your intention is I'm trying to figure out the truth and I want to know what's really happening. If you're on that path, you're in the right, 
you're on the right track. If you're somebody that says, I don't want to know, man, I got, I know how this world works. I don't want to think about that other stuff. What am I going to do about it? Any one of those people, man, those people need to wake up to what's happening because they are going to willingly get into the boxcars and be resettled in the East because they were told that that's what's happening. They're never going to question anything. They're never going to challenge authority or anything like that. Man, those people are going to end up getting us all killed <laughs> with their with their uh, their cognitive their lack of of critical thinking and their inability to comprehend what's actually going on. Those people, I'm not scared of Corona. I'm not scared of any of that. I'm scared of the reaction of the other people to Corona. That's what I'm scared of. I'm scared of large groups of Americans. <laughs> you know, dumbed down groups of people uh, that are clicked up in large groups that think they've got the right information because, or they think they've done research because they watched MSNBC and Rachel Maddow told them something that Russia is going to turn off their power. And, and, and now they're radicalized, they think, and they're out there uh, going on, you know, getting this little bit of information that they heard in their nightly news, putting it in their brains, thinking it's the truth, and then acting on that and telling me that I need to get on board with their agenda or else I'm um, anti-science, anti-grandma, uh, anti-everything, you know, anti-everything. Anti but, but I have different information than they have, and you have different information than they have. And I'd love to, to shake them awake with it. But right now, the priority is to focus on people that are seeking information get those people first. Those are the, those are the most important ones. They want to know what's going on. They have an interest in it. They, they might do something about it. Once they find out what's going on, they get the truth. They're going to be angry about it. That's the first step. Getting people angry, not at us, not at, you know, just getting people angry that they've been lied to. I don't know about you, but I, I get the feeling that you're the type of guy that doesn't appreciate being lied to by the mainstream media and all these people. And you, and you, actively you take that as a as an insult and a challenge to then get the real information and prove those people wrong so so to me where i'm what i'm doing these days is i'm trying to prioritize anybody that wants the information that is actively seeking it and is interested in knowing more about these things you got as much i'll give you as much time as i can i, I, I you can do it you can catch my podcast you can read the books you can you can you can do i'm available i'm available to explain that but if you just want to say I'm dumb because Fauci said this and, you, and you're saying something else, so you're stupid, those people, those people I can't help and I don't want to help. There, there's, there's, not a, um, there's not much I can do for them. And guys, I want to show you guys, everybody needs to go sub macroaggressions with Charlie Robinson on YouTube. And obviously this isn't, this is just kind of, you know, the bouncing off. Everybody needs to go leave a five-star review and Apple uh, podcast. But I, yes. I want, I want everybody to go find this because listen, like you said earlier, you're not doing this for the money. I mean, yeah, we want to make some money. We got bills to pay, but guys, you're doing this because you, for the love of the game, because you're spending hours researching and you said something earlier that really stuck with me that you wish, and I agree, I wish we could just do a football show. I love the Dallas Cowboys, even though they suck, even though they're mismanaged and I'm sick of the Jones family. I would love to sit here and talk about Dak Prescott's girlfriend drama or whatever the hell, why the Dallas yep. Cowboys aren't going to win the Super Bowl. But guys, I even tried that. I tried to do a show. I was like, oh, maybe I'll do some woke football show. You start talking about football and you feel like a fucking idiot because there's so much more real 
pertinent things like we talked about today that nobody knows about, that nobody realizes that the Clintons were involved in the Iran-Contra and trafficking cocaine when there's movies about it. This is like open public knowledge, but right. people have cognitive dissonance and they don't want to figure it out. So that's why I'm saying, Charlie, thank you for the work you do. You you paved the way for people like me and I, and, and you're now a teammate in this. You know, Obviously, I know you're, 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 you love the credibility route. I'm more of the yell-in-your-face Alex Jones wannabe route. And not that he's incredible. I love but, that, though. That's I'm prime time. I mean, that's I mean, I've always been a very like, shit stirrer like you, but I'm an extra shit stirrer. So that's what yeah. I'm going to do. But I'm telling you, I, I do think I said this earlier. The idea that these are the third generation, fourth generation. This isn't Prescott Bush. And I know Prescott Bush yeah. is an evil person, but he was probably had his senses together. He's thinking levels ahead. Like he was thinking in the hundreds of years or a hundred years. I'm just trying to I, I'm I'm trying to get out of the fight or flight so I can get in that mindset. I don't think George Bush has that mindset. So, no. Charlie, man, what a pleasure it is to have you come on. Is there anything else you want to leave the people with uh, uh, before they go? And you crushed it. And I, we got to talk again. We got to do this is what, what I want now yeah. um, because when, since we went over Rockfin, it wasn't a premium. Maybe in two weeks we'll do a premium uh, stream on sure. Rockfin if you're down. And, and we'll, yeah, we'll pump it up. It we'll do sure. the same way. But since it'll be premium, maybe we'll get some subs. We only got we got a few tips. Oh, let me say oh, the people that tipped. Let me tell you guys. Let me thank you all real quick while Charlie's here because I'm sure they tip because they liked you. Uh, I've got 14 bucks. I want to thank you, Billy, Jonathan, Alaire, and Rockfat. Thank you for the tips. Okay, Charlie, we'll leave them with some wisdom. What do you want to tell the folks here at the Conspiracy Castle? What do they need to know and where can they find you? Make sure to tell them all the places. Well, I'll leave you with this. The game is not over. There's still a lot to be played. We might feel like we're a little bit behind right now, but we know how these come back. Hell, you're a Cowboys fan. You know how some, sometimes these, you know. <laughs> hey, you're, you're, but are you a, Bra a Broncos fan? Who are you? For? Who are, are you like I, uh, uh, the Rams? What do you like? I I own, I co-own a company that does media training for pro athletes as well. So I've had like my own version of fantasy football. For you many, like the players. Many, I've got different clients on different teams. So like I would be like, I want – you know, I want this the guy Seahawks. to have a great game. Yeah. I want that guy to have a great. So I don't have a team necessarily. I'm I, but I do. You know, I follow the, I follow it all because I'm, I'm obviously a, a fan uh, into it. But uh, I, I will say this as far as like just, just words of wisdom to leave on if I have any. Don't quit. Don't give up. These, these people, they seem like they have it all figured out. The, 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 the Fauci's and the, the Gateses and all these people that are running the COVID op or, or the, the the deep state criminals that we know there's there's so few and there's so many of us and if we wake up to this uh, insanity and enough of us are aware their games don't work they need us to comply they need we are a part of this equation and if we are difficult for them to control then we throw a monkey wrench in their whole game so be be unmanageable be be difficult do not comply with unjust orders. I mean, just just make yourself kind of a pain in the ass because the more you do that, first of all, it 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 hampers their plans. And I know that it you know we're we're little fish here, but 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 it does something else. It it inspires other people. You know, when you're not wearing your mask going through the grocery store and someone else sees you, they take theirs down a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we have this sort of force multiplier effect that we can have. People get inspired by seeing us being defiant. So be defiant. It's okay. 
it's not a bad thing. It's a great sign. It means you're thinking. It means you, it means that you, you find a flaw, you have a problem with their, with the official narrative or the official rules or whatever. And I love that, man. I love it when people do that. So that's why I, I, I'm connected to you in the fact that I like your style. I like the way you do it. It was great having you on the union of the unwanted. We'll do that for sure. And uh, if anyone wants to connect with me they can do so through my website the octopus of global control and uh through that you can find my merchandise store and you can find the podcast and and all that good stuff so and you can follow me on twitter at macroaggressions but i'll tell you what man i've been thrown off there once and i'm sure it'll it'll happen again because i so hurry up so hurry up and follow me before before i uh, go away and thanks for having me on alex i appreciate it well, Charlie, you crush it, guys. Thank you all for the tips. And, and we're going to do it again. And uh, and I'll talk to you about it after we get done with the stream. But, guys, I just want to say thank you guys for watching. Thank you all for donating. I can't tell you how much it helps. And it's not about the money. So the people that did donate, guys, it's about the encouragement. It just lets people like Charlie and I know that somebody out there gives a damn. And that's really, at the end of the day, what helps us sleep at night. So I just want to say peace. I love you guys. And good night.